with the third pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the San Francisco 49ers select Trey Lance, quarterback, North Dakota Wide stretch run to Mostert, gets the edge left, cuts back inside. Raheem Mostert has four rushing touchdowns and a most yards Now listening to the Fourth and Gold podcast with Javi and Fern. Try to do what's right and not be affected by any of that. And it's just been interesting to watch. And sure glad that it's over. I'm glad that we got our guy. I'm glad we feel so good about it. And um, I'm just pumped to get him here. Welcome to the Fourth and Gold podcast. We are back. It's been seven days, and a lot has happened in seven days. Uh, I restart. I restarted the Game of Thrones series. I finished Mayor of Easttown. I got my yard done, uh, <laughs> bro. And then, of course, there's Niner stuff. Uh, Fernando, what's man. going on, buddy? Not much, man. I, I watched the first episode of Loki. Was it good? You got to check it out, man. I'm not okay. going to say a all word. Right, right, I mean, cool. I know you're you're a tough one to sell on anything. You're you're a tough you're you're a critic for sure. I'm just not a TV I, guy. I know. I know. But I am. And I've enjoyed it. So, I mean, give it a whirl. It's it's at, at the very least, you know, it's uh, a genre that I think you like anyway. So absolutely. Oh, yeah. I'll check it out because, I mean, I did watch um, the uh, Falcon and uh yeah, soldier yeah. that was really yeah. good and i did yeah, watch uh, wandavision wandavision was really good so marvel's doing their damn thing um but we'll get into some 49 stuff right now um, yeah let's do it before we get started um this is the fourth and go podcast i'm javi that is fern uh we are always here for your listening listening pleasure on all podcast platforms spotify google play apple itunes wherever you can find us and then of course <laughs> the youtube channel subscribe rate review on everything you can please we do appreciate it uh want to do real first real quick though do a really big quick shout out to dj jones and his family um they've helped me out and they've helped the podcast out, but I want to give them a shout out. Make sure you guys are supporting DJ Jones and his family. Big Dave's All American Barbecue. Go get your barbecue sauces if you Come like. On, sauce if it. you like to grill, if you like to use a smoker, whatever you need to do. Me and DJ Jones and his dad will be having a phone call later on this week. Well, tomorrow's Friday, so probably tomorrow. Um, figuring something out for the podcast, maybe do some giveaways or something for the fan base. Um, but yeah, let's help these folks out. Very good, hardworking folks that need, need your help, kind of help with the business. I think we all know pandemic took a lot out of everybody. So it would be a big deal to help them out. Um, you guys know the website. It's going to be uh, the big Dave's barbecue.com. Go ahead and place your orders, help the folks out. They'll, get, they'll take good care of you. I know they took good care of me and I have my pellet grown smoker. So I get down every once in a while. So I just wanted to get that out of the way. Um, <clears throat> Uh, another piece of business. I know this is a 49ers podcast, but, um, you know, a lot of folks who listen um, are also Giants fans. So the Giants had some news about Dwayne. I want to say it was Dwayne Kuyper. Um, he has, I guess, taken leave absence due to an illness um, that's going to require some chemotherapy. So I want to give up some quick shout outs to him. Praise to him and his family. I do listen to a lot of KMBR and I do follow the Giants because of KMBR. So um, I've always appreciated his insight when it comes to baseball related topics, obviously, because he does call the Giants games. 
um, Fern, I mean, me and you grew up on Harry Callis. You know what I mean? So yeah, he's man. he's essentially Harry Callis for the Giants. So um, <laughs> shout out to him, praise to him and his family. Yes. Make sure everyone gets well. Um, but let's uh, let's get to it, Fernando. We thought the injuries were over, dude. Oh my gosh! <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like the- well, we're gonna get to that in the middle of the show, but we'll, we'll touch on it. Um, all right, all right. Let's let's get to it because we didn't get to cover D'Amico Ryan's. He had his first press conference. I think the biggest question of the transition from Robert Sala uh, was gonna be how is D'Amico going to handle this defense and what is next for the 49ers defense. I know when speaking to a couple of players on the defense, they expect to be a little more aggressive. They expect to have a lot more blitzing, maybe some more man coverage. But let's just hear from the man himself who does answer the question um, earlier on in this week or last Demico, week. Demico, how you doing? Doing great. How are you doing? Doing great, thanks. Hey, this is the first time I think we've had the opportunity since you were named defensive coordinator. Can you just kind of take us through like what your defensive philosophy is and what are going to be your main coaching points and and what you want to instill in your guys as far as when they get out there on the field and execute your game plan? Oh, yes. Our our defense will be a fast, attacking, aggressive defense. I want guys to play fast. I want guys who are smart. I want guys who are going to play physical. That's one thing for me, just growing up watching the 49ers play defense. The defense has always stood out here. This has been a defensive organization. They played great defense in the past, and we just want to continue that tradition of playing playing aggressive defense and playing. And we want guys to be precise with what they're doing. We want guys to know the details of their job, be able to be on their fundamentals. Because it, at this league, where we are right now, it's everyone is good, but you separate yourself when you focus in on the small, small, minor details, and you hone in on the fundamentals of your job. And when you're doing that at a high, you're you're executing your fundamentals at a high level. Right, we're gonna be a, a really great defense. I mean, you heard it from the man himself. Um, I liked everything that he said, and I think. It, it's kind of on on brand from what I had heard, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, when talking to some of the guys, you know, that's what they said. Aggressive, smart. It's just a different brand of football. And I think the best thing that he said was, this is also a defensive franchise, right? Like, I mean. Heck yeah, it is. You know, regardless, Dion played here one year. You had Eric Davis. You had Ronnie Lott. You had all the linebackers, you know, Kent Norton, Patrick, Bo, Justin Smith, Alden Smith, Ray McDonald, you know, we all know what happened with Ray McDonald, but as players, these were elite defenses when they were winning a lot of games. So I think that's something that gets lost with how the Niners are represented now. Um, I know in 2019, the biggest thing was the defense. This is a defensive franchise, regardless of Joe Montana, Steve Young, Jerry Rice, and, you know, uh, you know, Brent Selleck and I'm not Brent Selleck, excuse me, Brent <laughs> Jones, excuse me, Vernon Davis and those kind of guys on the offense. But I think that gets lost a lot. This is still, to me, a really strong defensive franchise. And they've they've proven that over and over again when they have won Super Bowls and when they have been good. Um, a big factor of them being really good is having a top five, top 10 defense and most recently a top two defense. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is. Yeah, you know, everyone loves to see the bit, the deep ball, the touchdowns. Deshaun Goldson, I forgot to mention Deshaun oh, Goldson. You're right. Oh man, that's uh, how do we forget Deshaun? <laughs> Jeez. Um, but yeah, I mean, everyone loves the offensive side of the ball, and you know the touchdowns and the celebrations. But it's on that other side of the ball, man, that that the w- real work gets done, and that's something that the 49ers franchise has really taken 
pride in, you know, from the very beginning. And it's something that, you know, they've had a knack and, and we've had a knack even of recent to be able to draft some really good players in some late rounds. And this defense is a defense that should, you know, in my, in all honesty, may, we've got some questions on the secondary, but this should be a pretty good defense, you know, this year going into, uh, you know, this season. And D'Amico speaking made me feel really comfortable about what he's going to be bringing um, to this defense in the, from a leadership standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I think you're going to probably see a natural regression in the defense, right? You know, Bosa's coming off an ACL injury. You had, you said it, the secondary is still in flux. You know, you don't, you don't know what's going to, you know, who your CB2 is at this point. Like, I know, I think we both agree Jason Red is a really good corner. Yeah. Do we, can we count on Emmanuel Mosley to be CB2? Or Ambry Thomas, the rookie, going to come in and take that job? Or are they going to go outside and maybe maybe a Stephon Gilmore trade happens? Maybe cool. they look into some other options when it comes to uh, corners. You know, I know they paid Emmanuel Mosley, but they didn't pay him that much. You know what I mean? Um, if anyone remembers back at the back end of 2020, Akella Witherspoon was getting snaps over a healthy Emmanuel Mosley, who was primarily a special teams guy at that point. So yeah. I think we kind of know how they feel about Emmanuel Mosley. And it's not, it's not that they, they think he's bad or anything. They just think they could probably upgrade from him if they have the opportunity to do so. So Ambry Thomas, yeah. you know, uh, Leonor, Lenore, maybe an option. Um, Dante Johnson joking. Um, <laughs> uh, but maybe that, you know, maybe they're looking at, at other options there um, with D'Amico. I just think, you know, his, his, the biggest thing that I took away from it, he he wanted to, you know, kind of make it simple. You know, <laughs> he he didn't say anything bad about Robert Saw, but he wanted to make it to where the players are not as, you know, they're not thinking as much. You know, here's your here's your assignments. Go do this. Here, go do that. Yeah. Um, I think we might see a lot more blitzing. I think we'll see a lot more I from Fred so. Warner. Mm-hmm. I think Fred Warner is one of the best blitzing linebackers in football. You know, if you're able to get him to, you know, instead of having two or three sacks, he's got five or six sacks. It makes a lot of difference in how the defense is playing. Um, and, you know, if you're going to rush five and that'd be your fifth guy rushing and you can still kind of, you have a guy who can cover fairly well in Dre Greenlaw. And of course, obviously, Kwaski, Jimmy Ward, and then your corners are out back there and covered. So you have some other options. Um, yeah. With Sam Samibukum, he you know, essentially he's going to be that new D Ford role. There's just a lot of interesting moving parts on this defense, I think. And I think, I think we should have a top 10 defense still. I do. Because- I, I 100% agree with you on that. I, I Look, I know there's a lot in flux here and there's been some changes and some question marks for this defense, but I do absolutely believe this could be a top 10 defense. And I love that D'Amico is about a, a more a faster attacking aggressive defense. Because I think that's what they're going to need to do, especially with some of the question marks in the secondary. I think they're going to need to get creative and blitz from a lot of different angles and really just get quarterbacks under pressure and get that ball out really quickly. I think they're going to need that. And for him to be able to simplify the defense and allow guys to just you know, focus on the things they're really good at and put them in six, uh, in positions to succeed. I think there's a really good chance, and and they they did a pretty good job, in, in my opinion, from a draft standpoint and re-signing players. So I think he's going to have a lot of options in terms of rotations and being able to just keep guys fresh and just keep the pressure coming. So I'm really excited to see how it looks. And, you know, if, if Kyle Shanahan says – you know, he was made for this. I'm going to take his word for it. I mean, the guy looks, I mean, he looks the part, he talks the talk and I think he's ready and he's been ready for this opportunity. Yeah. I think, 
I think the biggest part about what he said, um, he, he was asked, how do you balance retaining the things that made the 49ers defense successful over the last several years under Robert Sala, but also incorporating your own style and your own way of doing things? Um, you know, I'm kind of paraphrasing here. He said, like I talked about earlier, I want to be known as an attacking defensive line. Our D-line is going to attack our linebackers and secondary. They're going to play with base fundamentals. We're going to play off our defensive line. We're going to let our D-line get off the ball and attack and we're going to clean things up behind them, but we will be more, I feel like, an aggressive attacking defense. So that, to me, tells me we're looking a lot. We're going to look to blitz a little bit more. Yes, sir. Um, now, with those blitzes comes – there's a lot of dangerous shit can happen with the blitz, right? No. You send too many, then you don't got enough in coverage. Then you got Jimmy. Beat. We got Jimmy. You know, we got Jimmy back there. We're, we, we have the leader, Jimmy Ward. We'll get to him in a second. <laughs> but – uh. But I mean, does that concern you to be if I guess the question is, how much more blitzing do you think we're going to do? You know, I, I, I think we're going to be really aggressive early on our downs, right? I think we're going to be really aggressive to start. I, I think the big thing here is, you know, the health of our secondary, because I do think if we're healthy, we're going to be able to to hold up and be able to kind of drop some people back and let things move and not have to rush so many people. And but I, I think earlier in downs. Um, we're going to get after it and then be able to play off the ball and let our, our linebacker number one out there in coverage. And we're going to get him some sacks and we're going to get him some picks this year because he's going to be doing everything on this defense. So I think it's going to be early downs, those first and second downs. I could see it just really coming after uh, the quarterback. And I think we have from a safety position with Jimmy back there, um, the opportunity to look. I mean, if, if we give up a few more big plays and we're normally accustomed to, you know, then that 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 is what it is. As long as we're going ahead and being effective, and I agree with uh, was it Bubba Bubba Marquez ninety two, the blitz just a little, don't overdo it. I, I agree. I, I think maybe earlier in downs and then be able to mix it up here and there. But um, you know, I, I definitely think we're going to be sending some linebackers, a safety, you know, a little more frequently than maybe we did in the past. Yeah. So for anyone listening on the podcast, this will be recorded, and then this is also a live show. So we're going to take some questions as we do this. So. Um, to kind of help with the inter- interactivity of the of the show. Yeah. Um, Bubba Marquez 92, he does ask, do we have a CB for a more man approach? I think we have one in Jason Verrett. Um, I think we saw a lot of man concepts towards the back end of last season with Akela Witherspoon. I think you're going to see some more man concepts if Ambry Thomas is going to be a guy who's going to get a lot of playing time. Um, K1 Williams is probably one of the best man-to-man slot corners in the league. So yeah, they have they have the corners to get the job done. Um, I think D'Amico hit it on the head. We're going to have to clean up things behind the defensive line. So mm-hmm. if that D line is getting home quick enough, that allows the defense to play a little bit more man to man coverage instead of being in the zone, you're going to be, you know, you, you know, instead of sitting back there, like they were getting five, six seconds. Now you would think two to three seconds, Hey, that ball has to be out. Your corner should be looking for the ball and not really, you know, they're going to track, the, they're going to track the wide receiver or the receiver and then they're turning their head within that two to three seconds. There's going to be some timing things going on there. But yes, I do. They, I do think they have the guys for a more man approach. They did run it a lot successfully at the back end of last year. I think no disrespect to Richard Sherman. Um, I think they kind of liked that he wasn't playing because they were able to go to those man concepts later on in the year. It's a good point. That's so, a good point. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I think they'll just be smart about they'll They'll be, aggressively prudent when it comes to blitzing. I like that term that John Lynch threw out a couple years ago. I still use it. It's pretty funny. Um, but you talked about a guy that's going to be a leader 
and a guy in, a, in, a, in the secondary, Jimmy Ward. He had some really good comments. I thought he was a lot looser than he's ever been. Um, just to quote something about him as a leader, he's been in the team. This would be year eight or seven, seven. Um, he talked about his leadership role and his role on the team. If I got to be an asshole, no, I got to. If I got to be an asshole, I know I got to do it. If I got to be an, an asshole, uh, you know, yeah. If I got to be an asshole, this is crazy. I'll be an asshole. If I got to be a big brother, I'll be a big brother. If I got to be a coach, I'll be a coach. But I can't do none of that if I don't lead by example. Um, Jimmy Ward has come a long way um, from his time from draft day till now. Um, I know you and I have had had many conversations privately about our questions of Jimmy Ward, the player. Can he stay healthy? Can he be this player? And I think you, you and I both agree. Let the guy play one fucking spot. That right? was my yeah. That was my thing because it it was easy to you know to to feel the frustration with the injuries and him being kind of moved all over the place. And I'm not saying he's not capable of being able to do that, but man, there's just something about having him back there at safety that just makes a whole lot of sense. And from a confidence standpoint, he's a confident guy. He's a confident guy to begin with, but to be able to have him back there and, and really focusing on on one role and a, a very very important role, I think has gone a long way and, and will continue to go a long way for him. But I mean, damn, when I when I read that that quote from him, that's just you know, as a defense, anybody on that side of the ball is going to want to run through a wall for him. And this guy looks like he is ready to be a big, big leader on this defense along with Fred, but he, I mean, he's ready. I mean, it looks like he's really, really taken ownership this season. And I love it. I love to hear him talk like that. Yeah, absolutely. Jimmy Ward. Um, he doesn't get the interceptions. You know, I think he, he said it. He's like, let me play robber, but I'm going to do what the team wants me to do. And that's, mm-hmm. that is something that gets lost with the fan base. Sometimes I think, um, you know, the, the Jimmy Ward could probably be a guy that can get five, six interceptions. He's just not asked to do that, right? Yeah. Kwaski Tart could probably be like Jamal Adams from a sack perspective. He's just not asked to do that. And exactly. that's just the difference between these defenses. Like Seattle spent all those picks for for an overpriced linebacker, right, with Jamal Adams, whereas the Niners are using their safety correctly, similar to what Cam Chancellor was used at, at that time. You know, Cam did get the picks and he had a little more sacks, but – the Niners aren't using their their safeties that way. They're they're using them, you know, to be the last line of defense. And yeah, you know, we don't take a lot both, of risks. We don't take yeah. a lot of risks with the safety. They, we need we want the short tackler to just not give up the big play. And like you said, if if we just kind of let the reins go, I mean, I think Jimmy's more than capable of going out there and making some big plays. But he plays safety the right way in the smart way as well. Yeah, like I would if you know with Jimmy Ward, just to answer the question here, I, I would put him in the top five of free safeties. I think he's he's one of the safest safeties in the league, and I think he's a sure tackler. He saved so many big plays for the 49ers in 2019. He saved a lot of big plays in 2020. He doesn't mm-hmm. get a lot of he doesn't get the recognition because he doesn't have the turnovers. He doesn't have the gaudy turnover numbers and the stats like an Eddie Jackson in Chicago or you know Malcolm Jenkins in, in New Orleans or even when he's in Philadelphia. You know over the years he's not getting those turnovers, but mm-hmm. He's invaluable to this team. You know, when he goes out, do you really want, and no disrespect to the guys behind him, do you really want to see Marcel Harris playing that position, right? I, I don't think you want that. And I think Marcel plays fairly well in coverage, but he's not Jimmy Ward. You know, there's just, there's just some things that uh, Jimmy's asked to do, and he does it well, and he's executed well. And I think Jimmy brought it up. He's like, I got paid without the turnovers. 
I like that sauciness he, he provided there. He's like, I got paid without the turnover. So yeah, uh, with Jimmy Ward, it was ideal. Yeah, I th- I, I mean, I put Jimmy in a, a top ten of uh, of safeties, but uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's what do you value? Do you want the you want the big hitter? You want the the guy that's out there pick six in and, and you know blitzing at the court? I mean, what do you want? And look, the way this defense is set up, I think. I think Jimmy, you know, fills this role perfectly where he's, like you said, he's that last line of defense. And we, you know, there's plenty of times where a big play could have broken out, but we've got a short tackler back there and we limit the big plays and make people move down the field methodically. And eventually our defense, maybe a bend don't break type of defense where we're going to give up some first downs, but we'll figure it out. We're just going to make it tough. We're going to make them earn everything, um, not just give it all away in one play because, you know, our safety took a, a, a big shot that went awry. So I'm all about it. It's like you said, it's, it's what do you really want your safety to do when you're, when you're ranking safeties in the NFL, but Jimmy's Jimmy's up there for sure. Absolutely. He doesn't get the credit he deserves. Hopefully this year he does get the stats, you know, the stuff that people want to see the interceptions, the fumble recoveries. And, you know, if anyone remembers, he did force two fumbles in that Rams game uh, last season in LA. So he did provide some, you know, turnover ability. Uh, let's get to the defensive line. One of my favorite players last year. I know he took a lot of crap because he was the 14th overall pick. Uh, Javon Kinlaw, who looks like an absolute stud. Um, Miko <laughs> Ryans said, I can already tell how much better he's gotten in the couple weeks that we've been here. Basically talking about him during the OTA period. Javon Kinlaw came in rather large as a rookie. And as the season progressed <clears throat> with my previous co-host, me and him would talk. I'm like, hey, man, he looks like he's getting leaner and leaner and now he even looks he just looks shredded for a man who's six six three thirty like you're not supposed to look like this and then you're eating squirrels that's why that's why i'm I'm gonna start eating i gotta find a squirrel i I gotta get i mean this guy's arms i don't even understand i mean he is a he is a, a straight beast like he's not he's built different man he is something else he got me excited though. His his little press conference or uh interview. I mean, this <laughs> he is something else. He's a character. So um with with the 49ers Goldmine webpage, we did a uh, we have a little um inside the articles, there's a um like a survey. Uh the question was over under sacks for J- Javon Kinlaw. We'd like to hear from the people who are listening as or listening as well. Just type it in there. Um, yeah, over under think? three and a half sacks. I'm going over. I'm over. Over. I'm gonna I'm looking five or six sacks from Javon Kinlaw. And I think that's a realistic number, five or six sacks. If you have a healthy Nick Bosa, if you have a very healthy Eric Armstead and whatever Samson and Bukum's giving you on the edge, now you're, you're looking at Bosa's getting doubled. Now you're stretching out that right or left tackle, wherever Bukum is because he's playing that wide nine look. Mm-hmm. And then you get a lot of single singles and doubles between either Armstead or Kinlaw. And I think Armstead can, we saw him do it. He's had what 10, 11 sacks and 19 with Buckner next to him. Buckner had six or seven sacks. Can, can Kinlaw match that match that production from a sack perspective in 2021? I'm going to go over three and a half sacks. I'm going to go right around six for Kinlaw. Probably get his pressures at like 12 or 13, you know, QB hits probably in that 19 range. I think he's going to be a dominant player. Um, I don't expect him to be DeForest Buckner because DeForest Buck like, Let's give him some props. Yeah, Buckner, is I the mean, second like, best defensive tackle in football, yeah, let's in not. my opinion. So. And look, Kinlaw doesn't need to be DeForest Buckner. Exa- I mean, I get it. They're always going to be intertwined because of what happened yeah. you know, with, with the move and the trade. But 
I mean, you've got to give the you got to give the young buck a little more credit. I mean, he's definitely over three sacks. Um, I'm in that same boat as you. I'm in that that five to seven range, maybe yeah. a little over six. And I think he's going to be able to this year with the athleticism and his size, be able to just take multiple bodies on and free up space for everybody else as well, as well as being able to, on a one-on-one standpoint, I think he's going to be super difficult for anybody to handle from a one-on-one standpoint. I mean, this kid, I'm really, really excited. And when he's one of those, you know, young guys that everybody, you know, within the 49er organization is saying, you know, they're about to break out. I mean, he's one of those that we wanted to hear his name, but everyone has talked so highly about him that I'm I'm very excited to see him go out there this year. Yeah. So last offseason, it was all about Kinlaw's a huge person. He's a huge human. This offseason so far has been like he looks better, like as in shape, but as a player and technique, it's continuing to get better and better and better. So those those are positive changes within a year. Um, and he seems like he hasn't left the facility because Every time you see a locker room photo, he's been there. So right. the guy's committed to what he's doing. Yeah, if he's not at the facility, he's hunting squirrel. Um, you know, he's doing just fine. Over under question one more. <clears throat> oh, I like him. I like these. pick sixes. How many over under pick sixes for Kinlaw? One. Are we gonna go over one or what are we doing? Oh my god, <laughs> pick sixes for Kinlaw. <laughs> oh, I'm not. I'm going probably gonna over. go under. I'm yeah, not go going under. over. I'm going under. I. I mean, I'd love to be wrong on that one. I'd love to see that dude just take off. I mean, I would love that, but I'm going to yeah. go under. I'm going to go under on that one. Yeah, absolutely. With the OTA periods, with, with I think the biggest thing here uh, with Kinlaw, he didn't have an OTA last year, came in super raw. I think that's a very valid point. Um, and, you know, him getting this, him getting the season under his belt, getting a full off season and then OTAs as well. He's going to be, he's going to be just fine. Um, Can I yeah. just also one site and this is about those breakout type of uh, um, players, you know, younger guys that are ready to take the big jump. I love how everyone's given praise to Kevin Givens right now. Yeah. Like I, I'm getting jacked up to see this kid go out there. I mean, we, we brought up DJ Jones earlier you know, they were, he said, you know, no one's talking about him, but they will soon. I mean, and this is a yeah. guy that they play the same position. I mean, I'm, I'm really excited to see the Penn state kid and I'm here in Pennsylvania. I'm, I'm excited to, uh, to see him go out there and have, have more opportunities, you know, going into this year, but everyone seems to be really high on him as well. So, I mean, we could have quite the blessing here. If Kevin Givens is out here balling, DJ Jones is out there. We got yep. some health. I mean, this is really exciting right now. Yeah, I, I think Givens, as long as Givens stays out of trouble, you know, he had the little <laughs> offseason incident, uh, which is, from what I understand, has been dropped. He's good mm-hmm. to go. Uh, he should make this team. You know, you're looking at a nose tackle position with DJ Jones and Kevin Givens. I think that's a that's a good problem to have um, with Jones, who's had some injury concerns with his ankle. Givens was a, a nice surprise last year. And even, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, we, we're Penn State fans. We watched him at Penn State. He's solid at Penn State. He was undrafted, but... Sometimes these undrafted guys play a little bit harder and show a little bit more. Um, so with, yeah, with last week, with those, with those um, press conferences, you know, to take the takeaway, I think the biggest takeaway with all this is just a lot more accountability, a lot more aggressive defense. Uh, they're looking to make a few changes. I think we're going to see a little bit less cover three single high looks. We're probably going to see a lot more cover four. Um, split safety looks. The Niners were a little more successful that way. A lot more man-to-man coverage. So this season should be a fun, fun season. Now, middle of the pod, let's get to the bad news. 
<laughs> um, real quick while we're all here, I'm gonna pour something out for the guys. Hey, uh, let's go. Let's salute. So, so guys, come on, guys. Let's get Tavarius right. Moore, come on. Justin School. Mm. Salute. A little Terramana tequila. Um, it's been a long day. Voodoo Ranger. Shout out New Belgium. So shout out to them. Little little tequila and pineapple. That's what I do. On that rock swag. Yeah, I got the rock shirt and I'm trying to, I mean, I don't know, whatever. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Justin School out for the season. ACL tear. That's very unfortunate that he was. He played a bigger role in 2019, obviously with with uh, Joe Staley breaking his leg, and then that's a big deal. Uh, that's and a then, big deal. Uh, Mike McGlinchey being injured in 2019, so he had some really good reps. I know. I said for the 49ers fans to relax on Twitter when it came to these injuries, be basically because I, I viewed these guys as just depth guys. I wasn't sure if school would make the team this year, but still unfortunate nonetheless. And then of course, Tavarius Moore out for season with an Achilles tear. There's an outside chance he could be back in December. But with Achilles tears, we saw that with Michael Crabtree. Remember, he tore his in the summer. He came back later on. Um, and it just, you know, he was never right after that. So uh, shout out to those two guys. Un- unfortunate injuries, the OTA periods and things like that have been. So OTAs are done. Yep. Kyle spoke about it. And I, I think there's a little bit of overreaction with, oh, the injuries is what caused him to stop it. I think yeah. Kyle's been pretty honest when it came to this stuff, but. We'll get to that in a second. And then the other news with this week, uh, before the injury happened, the 49ers did add Tony Jefferson, former safety of the Baltimore Ravens, coming off an ACL tear, but he does look to be in great shape and ready to go. So there's just been there's been some good and some bad. Niners got some two roster spots to fill now after yeah. those injuries. But um, impact to those guys, Justin School and Tavarius Moore, yeah. To me, to me, I was kind of hoping to see Tavares more play a little bit more this year. Um, with you know, w- the Niners were more successful when they had these three safety looks: Jimmy Tart, Tavares Moore, or Jimmy Tavares Moore and Marcel Harris. They, they looked a lot better when they had the three safeties out there. Yeah, which one? And I, I don't. I hate to diminish. I hate to be like this with injuries. Which one is more? value like which one is more impactful out of the two you know i think with some of the the depth we have at safety i think it's school i i I think that's because in terms of a backup swing tackle option um you know i think that was kind of the guy that was going to be ready to go in case we needed him but now that he's gone right now it's a matter of you know who's going to be getting these reps who's going to slide in there um in case mcglinchy or um the big <laughs> the big man the silverback goes down uh, you know who's going to be able to get some of these reps and i think it's asking a lot to be able to fill in at least there was a little bit more uh not certainty, but you kind of know what this guy's going to be able to do. You kind of know what he he's going to go out there and, and be able to accomplish. So as much as I was excited like you to see uh, more out there than safety, I'd see him out there a little bit more often. The Achilles, unfortunate, but they did go ahead and get Tony Jefferson and they de- and they drafted Ufanga. So there are some more opportunities for those guys. But I think at tackle, I mean, that's a, that's a big deal for a team that, you know, has a lot of uh, – you know, injury history on this offensive line that we, we need the depth there. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I to me, I had school as a guy who was going to be, you know, a bubble guy, bubble fifty three guy. I think if they had like if you had to rank him, he'd probably be player fifty six or fifty seven. You know what I mean? Like if they were going to do cuts, um, just because I, I think the kid more Jalen Moore they drafted this year probably, you know, might have beaten him out. You know, because he can I play mean, guard and tackle. Um, but that's you know, and even still, school has valuable reps in this offense. He played fairly well in twenty nineteen. Uh, 2020 was a little bit hit or miss, but I think the offensive line as a whole was just so in shambles outside of Trent Williams. It was just kind of hard to, you know, mask any deficiencies with that offensive line. So school didn't benefit from any of that stuff. Um, And then with Tavares, you know, he's in a contract year, you know, is it's, it's, it's tough. So, you know, it's unfortunate for him and hopefully they both come back. I like him, man. I was a real, like, like you say, he's a contract year, and I don't think we've seen enough of him on the field as, yeah. as I thought we would at by this point. But you know, it's really, really unfortunate um, for that to happen because I think this was going to be a year where he was going to get some opportunities to see what he's really about, and and it's unfortunate. So, damn. Yeah. So let's hear from Kyle about the in- injuries and what they're going to do with OTAs. Hey, Kyle, when you say uh, you guys have we're having a clean camp. Uh, are you are you kind of done? Are you going to do any more OTAs? And is as many camps still going to go on next week? No, we're totally done. Um, we, we really finished up our exit meetings today, really, with everybody. We're still going to keep the rookies around here for a little bit, some more than others. Um, I kind of decided a while ago we weren't going to do mini camp. You know, I, I rarely do do mini camp when we get nine OTAs in. We usually do one practice, and then we have, like, a team-building thing throughout that. And um, kind of decided earlier in this, if we could get our OTAs in, I wasn't going to keep them for mini camp because it's a week longer than usual. I, I like the guys to get away for 40 days, and we started a week later this year than usual, the whole league did so they only would have gone away for like 32 days and I think that does um, add up so uh, we had such a big turnout too you know, and I know there was some question around a lot of people around the league. So uh, I didn't know if we didn't have a big turnout, I w- obviously would have kept those guys because I know we had to get some work in. But I mean, we really had 89 people show up to OTAs, which was um, unbelievable. And the guy who didn't was here since February rehabbing the whole time um, with D. So he just got away because he's been here since February and uh, he had to get away for just his peace of mind. But having 89 guys here and getting seven OTA practices in, um, I felt great about it. You know, my plan was to get eight um, and I was going to surprise them on Thursday and take um, everyone bowling um, but after our seventh practice with those two injuries and just the aura gave to it I wasn't going to come back and do one more just to do one more so I surprised them on day eight instead of day nine so before we get serious Fern were they really going to go bowling you're on mute buddy <laughs> sorry about that <laughs> I don't fucking know I mean, I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna take his word for it. I'm gonna they're gonna yeah. they're gonna go bowling. So mm, I mean, <laughs> oh, look, I love I love Kyle because I just love how he just. I mean, he just looks at the camera and just says whatever the hell he wants to say and how he wants to say it. And I lo- I personally love that. I yeah. mean, were they gonna I, again? Were they gonna go bowling? I don't probably not. Um, I don't know, but. <laughs> All I think about is like, man, the hats fly. I love Kyle, and I'm pissed off that he wasn't a top five on that PFF top five play callers. Or I'm a little upset about that. Which was bullshit, by the way. Like, that- like I mean, I'm looking at this guy. He's got so much swag. He's out there calling plays. Three guys are open all the time. Like on almost any play he calls, 
Um, he's got it, you know, got us to a Super Bowl. And I mean, he's Matt not even floor, top. Like, I mean, come on. Like, I don't know. Like, just, yeah, that shit it was, pisses me off. Like, that list was that list was super trash. So I don't know. Sorry, um, I, that was on my head more than the bowling thing because I think that was a little BS myself. But like, no, you're shit. Good. Like, man. <laughs> um, you know, with 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 Kyle, I, I think the biggest issue with here was he canceled OTAs and and folks wanted to make it more than what it really was. To me, I think. I think looking back at the other years, 2017, 2018, 2019, this is consistent. 2020, well, not 2020 because of COVID, but those, um, the Kyle's always been eight or nine practices and that mini camp, the mandatory one. Yeah. You only ever always had one practice for the mandatory one. So what's the point at this point? Like, yeah. You know, um, he would, he would usually do just the one when, like, so, so the mandatory mini camp would be next week, right? And yep. every other year before that, they would always just do one practice. Yep. Um, and, you know, what the hell is the point? Kyle's like, you know what? It, it would have been 32 days. Now he's just giving the whole 40. He's ready to take a break. I think he's worked pretty hard with the guys. I think, you know, we'll talk about Trey Lance in a second. Um, <clears throat> I just don't, I don't think it's a big issue. The The biggest issue out of all this, though, is the injuries. You know, we just hit on school. We hit on Tavares more. And then, of course, Jeff Wilson, we spoke about in the previous podcast, do you think we're going to talk about it because the Niners got penalized for it? Yes, Do you think the caught. Niners have a – I don't think this is a strength and conditioning issue. Do you think the Niners have a practicing issue? Because if they're allowing if, – if they got suspended – if they got defined for the video of all that contact, how much other contact is happening during practice that's not supposed to be happening? Yeah, I mean, you you would hope – that considering the type of players, you know, a lot of these players have gone through injuries, you know, year over year, and you'd hope that it wouldn't be a practice issue. You would, you'd hope. And Kyle talks pretty frankly about, you know, doing what he can to make sure these guys' bodies, they're right, and they're, they're protecting them as much as they can. But he's also made it clear that, look, exactly, you have to play football to get ready for football. And you know, I can't disagree with that either. Right. I mean, you got to hit people, you got to be hit and, and you got to get that, that body right, understand the speed and, and roll through it that way. And unfortunately we're a team that has gone through the gauntlet with injuries. So a video like this and the timing of all this with these injuries, it's just not a good look whatsoever. So I'm going to keep my fingers crossed. It's just kind of a one-off, unfortunate incident because I know that the health of this team is super important to Kyle. He understands that the reason why we haven't been successful over you know the majority of his tenure has been because of injuries. So I'm hoping that at this point, um, you know, we're obviously not going to be putting guys at risk. I, at least I hope not. We're not going to continue to put guys at risk, and we're going to make sure we protect them as much as we can. So. I'm going to say this is a one-off. It's not a practice issue. I think it's a, I think it's a, a you know, an unfortunate, you know, either you've got an injury bug or, or you, you don't. I mean, I just think a lot of these guys do. And a lot of these guys aren't going to be full season type of players. I mean, they're going to take a, you know, there's going to be a couple games where they're just not going to be available or they need the rest to get themselves right. So I'm hoping that's where we're at more. I hope we get into the point where it's just, Hey, we're going to give them a, a, you know, a week or two off a little tightness here and there, as opposed to major injuries where these guys are just out. Yeah. So with the injuries, I don't one, I'm not going to blame Kyle Shanahan. 
two, this has been an issue since 2014. Now, so our guy, my guy, Kosh, uh, you'll talk to Kosh soon enough, Fern. Uh, Akash ranked, well, he, he looked it up. Adjusted games lost ranked since 2014. Lower yeah. the rank, the worst. The 49ers 2014 ranked 25th. 2015 ranked 26th. 2016 ranked 24th. 2017 ranked 23rd. 2018 ranked 29. 2019 Super Bowl year ranked 27th. And then 2020 ranked 32nd. So they've been in the bottom third since 2014. When it comes to injuries, this is not a Kyle Shanahan issue. This is, mm-hmm. this is, there's something going on either with that practice field. There's something going on some voodoo shit. They need some holy water or something. Um, I don't, you know, I, I don't, not, not to be like that, but I, I just don't, I, I don't, you can chalk it up to bad luck, but I think maybe some of the stuff with the Niners the last four years can be related to turn, turn back into practice. I don't think it's just starting the conditioning ta- staff because you can only do so much around ligaments and tendons, you know, Fern, didn't you, you tore your ACL, didn't you? No, it was my meniscus. It was okay. my meniscus. But um, look, I mean, the, you can, you can feel great and you can do all the right things with your body, man. And it just be a freak, you know, one little pivot, one little twist, and you just don't know. And I mean, these guys are monsters and the torque they're putting on their bodies and their quads and their hamstring. I mean, that's on another level. And I, I am, I agree with you. I mean, definitely could be something with regard to turf, the cleats. The, like, I don't know because, I mean, they're, they're, you've got professional trainers out there getting these guys stretched out, warmed up. So it's tough to to put the blame in one place. I do think, um, you know, I mean, these are, these are top-notch athletes that you'd like to think are really taking care of their bodies. So to have these constant injuries, you know, sometimes you just – these these players, I mean, you just, they're they're just prone to some of these things. And unfortunately it looks like we've got a lot of players that are prone to, to whether it's knees. And I mean, it's rough, man. I don't don't know what to say. I just, yeah, I think there's, I think there's some bad juju on top of, you know, something else, but I think I like where you're the conspiracy theory. We got to go out. Maybe we get take a sample of the turf. I mean, let's, let's make something happen, man. Let's figure it out. You know, and I think the biggest thing, you know, the injury stuff, I know it was an issue in 2019. They still made the Super Bowl. And I think mm-hmm. something should be said, though, for, you know, when you have your when you have your quarterback for the whole 17, seat, 17 games, regardless, regardless of how I feel about Jimmy Garoppolo, when you have competent quarterback play, you're going to win some games. Um, so, you know, being ranked 27th in 2019. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of folks forget. They were pr- a lot of fans were praising the strength and conditioning staff in 2019 because – did we forget Quan Alexander made it back? That's right. D Ford yeah. made it back. Joe Staley made it back. McGlinchy made it back. Kyle Juszczyk made it back. George Kittle yeah. made it back. Like all I mean, these guys, they were slowly coming back and they got healthy at the right time. And they ran, they, you know, they stuck their foot up <laughs> the Vikings ass, the Packers oh ass. And literally for 53 minutes, they were kicking the shit out of the, out of the yeah. chiefs. Right. So, you know, Packers fans, if you're listening, that's right. It was in the playoffs that we beat you by a lot, not a regular season game where you were playing against third string uh, offensive players, right? Like, 
we beat them in the playoffs by quite a bit. I mean, this team, it says a lot about how this team has been built and to be able to continue to put guys in despite all these injuries and us for us to continue to win football games, the coaching staff, the players, I and mean, there's a lot of depth there, but it's unfortunate that we have to keep going through this. Yeah, I think, and I, I think I can agree here. Uh, again, this is a live show, and this will be on for the podcast uh, here. Raymond, uh, listen to Croc and Blackman. Uh, it sounds like there's a definitely something to be said about recovering, educating players on it. Absolutely agree. You know, for all the crap Kendrick Bourne got, for all his uh, IG stories and working out and and taking care of his body, Kendrick Bourne wasn't hurt. He was always available, right? Um, so there's something to be said about that, and I think. Seeking out the proper tech, you know, proper nutrition, the proper resources. Cause I think every team provides you with these resources. You have to be the person to use them. Like we have our, you and I work, right? We have an HR department. We have other stuff at our jobs that will give us other opportunities. Do we always use them? Probably not. But as an NFL player, it would be, it would be who of you to say, Hey, I'm making this much money. I'm doing these things. Maybe I should go see what else that I can do to help keep myself available. Yeah. Right? You know, the best ability is availability. Shout out to our guy, go blood for it. 408 here. Ooh. You got to be available. You, you know, you, you can't be in the club in the tub. That's what they say. So um, <laughs> with, with the Niners, I think, you know, I think there's, there's gotta be something said about recovery. I think you're onto something with the turf and these cleats. I mean, shit, I bought my, and this is not to compare my son to these professional athletes, but these cleats nowadays, it's like the cleat at the bottom and, sock you know what i mean like there's no support when it comes to your your foot your ankle and things like that it's, it's pretty nuts um but you know i I don't, i'm not taking too much away from kyle canceling the mandatory mini camp no I, he always does just one practice and then he does bonding stuff really realistically we had yeah we had joe staley on the pod joe was like listen kyle throws the massive party at the end of otas and he throws one at the end of training camp so that's probably what they did they probably had a party at kyle's house Tequila was drank. You know, that's probably what they did. Um, let's get back to Kyle. <laughs> let's get back to Kyle. Kyle spoke about the rookie, and I think this was really telling. To me, I took a lot from this. Maybe I shouldn't have taken a lot from this because that's just me. Um, but let's talk. Yeah, let's you're going to get here. yourself going, Javi. You're going to get yourself going. Week one, Trey. Yeah, let's talk about Kyle Shanahan and his uh, love for Trey Lance. In terms of picking things up and, and translating it to the field over the last few weeks. Uh, I think he did a good job. I mean, just being able to throw everything at him. You know, we got through the whole installation okay. um, and be able to do that. You know, there's a process of it. Some some days you do good, some days you do bad, but there's a whole up and down with it um, that is necessary for a guy to go through. So you can get those reps, soak it in, have an idea of what it feels like. <clears throat> now we have tape to show him, tape to talk to him about. He gets to get away on his own and have an idea of what's expected out of him when he gets back. And um, just going through the process, kind of with most people with OTAs, I don't really ever say whether it was good or bad because just going through it to me is good, even even if he didn't do that well, which I thought he did. But it's just the experience of how it affects you in camp um, and at least what you got to work on when you're away and really helps you get your mind right and your body right for what's ahead of us. We got through the whole installation. <laughs> Hey, I need to relax. I know you do I need to relax. <laughs> I also want to know. I also want to know is the facial hair for Kyle. Is that how he's going to, well, let's see here. Kyle looks like he's holding back a smile. He does. There's like, there's absolutely 
an energy when he starts talking about Trey that you see, like he suppresses it and he's got the hat on and the hoodie and he talks, but you could tell there's a little bit of uh, some excitement in his the, voice. That there desk for him. raises six inches higher every time he's underneath it. Every time yeah. he talks about Trey. <laughs> hey, look, all I know is, you know, as the way I've heard Kyle talk about Jimmy in the past, and and he said some really great things about Jimmy, he right? Did. But he there's did. just there's just some inflection a, a, a in his voice difference about when he starts talking about Trey and how you know how how he's picking things up. And yes, he's going to go through some rough patches. And yes, but but he seems really excited about where the kid's at right now. Um, and I'm excited. I mean, I I'm excited because again, I want this to be a legitimate competition. And you know, Trey staying after he's going to work for a little bit and continue to learn the offense and. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait to see how he performs. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is we got through the entire installation. That's a lot. That's a big deal, right? You know, I, I had listened to Matt Mayoko this morning on his podcast. He said, uh, from his understanding, Trey Lance has the nuts and bolts of the offense down, right? Listen to Matt Mayoko a couple weeks ago talking about how each practice Lance seems to be getting better and better and better. And it's probably sooner than later we'll see him play. Grant Cohn, um, you know, mm -hmm. folks don't like the guy, whatever. But he said similar things. Hey, every time he comes out there, he looks to be in more command, looks to be grasping a lot of things. Oh, we heard yeah. throughout this process that Trey was the smartest quarterback in this draft class. So yeah, of course, I if this is this is good if he's picking up the offense this fast, right? You want him to do that. And this kind of goes back to our conversation. If it's close in training camp, to me, the tie is going to the rookie. Yeah, I mean, he can do things that Jimmy can't do. So if everything else is tie, you know, that that's going to push him over the athleticism, the additional athleticism for sure. Um, I think the big thing here is, like you talked about, let's go like smarts first, the athleticism after that. I mean, if, if the kid is athletic, uh, uh, I mean, if he is as smart as he is athletic, I mean, it's going to be, I mean, the, the sky's the limit. Cause yeah. I remember Steve Young talking about even Colin, you know, right. Kaepernick and, and Jimmy and talking about, you know, what the quarterback has to do and process in their head so quickly. And sometimes guys just, yeah, they can sling it, but they just can't process fast enough. And if this is the case where this kid is that smart and he's absorbing this offense at, at such a rapid pace and he can sling the ball around and run around and do what he's got to do, but he can process things on the field quickly. I mean, then th this is a win in all aspects. And look, if he goes out there and he can do all those things, then let's go. I mean, week one um, by all means, because again, you know, I've been more on the, let these guys go out and compete for it. And I like where both of these guys heads are at. Uh, and I like what the coaching staff is saying. It's just a matter of time, really, for Trey. It seems like it really is. You know, when when is this change of guard going to happen, and when are we going to get uh, you know a new quarterback under center? So I'm super excited about Trey, and I can't wait to see see what he does on the field, even preseason. Like I'm I'm jacked up, man. Yeah, with Trey, I think you know for me. Like I said, it's a soft landing spot week one and week two. And if that if it's close in camp, then maybe you do it. Maybe you say, look, let's just roll with the kid. You know, we're going to rip this bandit off eventually with Jimmy Garoppolo. Might as well just do it now. So, yeah, um, fair. I'm all in with that. That's and, fair. you know, it's 
you know, you hear you hear things, you know, you hear Kittle talk about he's got a cannon. You hear some <laughs> throws can't be some throws haven't been made in, in practice before. And Trey's doing that. So that, you know, that's a plus. Um, I mean, dude, the fact that we were kind of like jacked up about watching these dudes just roll out and throw a ball. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's all you got to say. I mean, we were literally I probably watched them just roll out and throw a ball that one clip over a hundred times just being like, Oh shit, he looks good. He turns that corner quick. I mean, we're, we are really reaching and we want this to work out and it looks, it looks good. And I'm not willing to get my heart, you know, all tangled up in this right now because just a few years ago, I thought we might be done looking for a quarterback as well. So I, I just, I'm going to wait this one out. I'm going to be very cautious. I'm going to sit back and just let this all play out. And I think we're in a good place. And uh, both our quarterbacks are out there working really hard. So, hey. Absolutely. Um, And then, you know, Coach McDaniels, the new offensive coordinator who isn't going to be calling offensive plays. He's just collaborative with Kyle. He did have his this to say, we're not in the business of feelings. We're in the business of end of end results. Basically speaking, speaking about um, Trey Lance's ability to be coached, um, they asked McDaniels, McDaniels, what was your role in the pre-draft process of evaluating Trey? And now that you have him in the building, you've had him in the building for a while. How does what you saw and what you learned about him pre-draft kind of match up to the player, the person you see on a daily basis right now? Um, you know, he basically said, Having Trey in house has been exciting because he is who we thought he was in terms of, of a diligent worker. The guy is very smart. He wants to do well. He takes coaching. That's something that's undervalued in this day and age. I think that people don't really give its true gravity. He, hey, a guy is willing to hear constructive criticism and take that and move forward instead of getting their feelings hurt because we're not in the business of feelings. We're in the business of end results. So I think all of our players and the culture that is kind of instilled here, they kind of understand that we are here to coach you for better bet for the betterment of all our existences. Um, so one McDaniel speaks in a lot of absolutes, by the way, which is cool. I appreciate him. He's very direct, yeah, very funny. Like, like, yo, this I is kind of like it. He's yeah. like, listen, I'm a Yale guy. I'm really smarter than I'm smarter than you. <laughs> I'm smarter than you. Yeah. Like, just let me just spit this out. Like yeah. he was spitting, spin hot fire the other day. Um, <laughs> when it came to Trey, you know, this is something that, you know, we spoke to Eric Crocker. I spoke to Croc and then I spoke to, um, the gentleman from North Dakota State, his name, his name um, escapes me right now, but he's, he said this. They all said this. Everything they heard, Crocker, Croc essentially said the same thing. Hey, he talked to QB coach. You said the biggest thing with Lance, he's coachable. He's willing to learn. Yeah. You can shit on this kid. He's going to accept it and work on it. Um, and then the same thing with Ed NDSU. You teach him something. He does it wrong. He fixes it. He corrects it. He's coachable. He's wanting to learn and get better and better every day. And then to hear McDaniel say it, to hear Kyle say it, to hear, you know, to hear from Mayoko and Grant Cohn and other beat writers who are out there. Um, it is, it's very promising to hear these things out of a 21 a year old kid who went to Vegas, by the way, and enjoyed himself. He's allowed to do that. Yeah. Right. Like chill way. out people. Like, like what that guy does not have to have his face in the offensive playbook all day, every day. I mean, there's, there's called, uh, you know, some unwind time, some relaxation, get your mind right. Um, <laughs> people freak out about the craziest. I, it's like, Jesus Christ. I mean, was he with George, right? In that picture? He was with the team. Like, yeah. I mean, 
He's with our like the guy on off. I mean, and that he right there the tells the me, I mean, right? Like, I mean, that's exactly right. That's Fred what and I was kid over there. Like, like, what I mean, are we doing? What, we're, we shouldn't be worried about this kid in that way. He doesn't seem like a kid that uh, is going to go off the rails and make some awful decisions. Would you tell George no? Exactly. No, no, I would <laughs> not tell George no. You're absolutely right, right? Well, I mean, I, I I don't think you would tell George no, Raymond, right? I mean, no. If if George says come out, you go out. And that's just how it works. You're the rookie, right? If George says, come on out, bro, let's go. Then you're there and you're not saying anything else. Yeah. But And he's of age. Who gives a shit? Yeah. But the big thing that you talked about is the coachability. No one wants a kid that thinks they know it all, especially in a room with Kyle, right? And Mike, just whiz kids. And even Jimmy. Jimmy's football, been yeah, and j- like whiz kids, football players. No one wants that. You want a humble kid that's ready to go out there and work his ass off and get better and take the criticism and not be weird about it. Like you're not going to do everything perfect. And you're gonna have to learn how to play in the NFL. So I love this. I mean, he's got all the tools and it seems like he's got a good head on his shoulders and he can go ahead and, and go through some of the bumps that he's going to need to go through and not get worked up because, Hey, everybody, you know, I've been so good for so long. Like I don't need, I don't need to, uh, to do anything different. Like I'm perfect. Like, no, this kid, this kid's going to need to change some things. He's going to need to work with Kyle and, and by all aspects and by all, you know, signs, all signs seem to point towards he's ready to do that. And he's completely ready to be molded into what this offense needs. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm, I'm here for it. I think him being able to be coached and be able to learn on, you know, pick things up quickly so far through seven, eight OTA practices, plus whatever else he's doing on the side, um, it's a big deal. Just real quick, get to this question. What am I hearing about his anticipation? Um, the only issue that I've heard so far out of camp is when he misses, he misses high. And he'll sail a ball here and there. And it's not like it's every throw. It's like, you know, it's probably just an overstride or just something he's off with a little bit of timing. Nothing that I'm too concerned about. But but same some of the things that I saw on the, the tape that kind of led me towards Justin Fields in my pre-draft process was Fields wouldn't really sail balls like that. And Lance would do it every once in a while on some of the tape at North Dakota State. So, you know, if he cleans that up, the Niners should be fine. Also, you know, that stuff will get cleaned up. He's throwing to NFL wide receivers. He was throwing to me and you at North Dakota State, Fernando. You know what I mean? So I mean, come on, man. I I mean, I know. don't sleep on me. I know. I can run some routes. I know. I know. Um, but, yeah. So, and then let's get to it. Last thing and before we answer a few questions. Jimmy Garoppolo, everyone's favorite quarterback. Um, Kyle Shanahan had this to say. I think Jimmy Garoppolo's had his best spring since he arrived. Are we buying or selling that Jimmy Garoppolo has had his best spring since? Now, let's put this in its proper context because 2017, he was traded midseason, no spring. 2018, he had his spring. It was okay. Then he had the ACL tear. 2019, five picks in spring and practices. 2020 was eh. And then this one, maybe I guess maybe it is his best. And I'm not trying to shit on the guy, but it's just like, what is what is what's the, the best? Yeah, what's, what's the bar? Because the bar? because because everything we've heard over the last, even in New England, Jimmy was a bad practice player, but he's a good <laughs> game player. Like he's a gamer, right? Like you've said it, I've said it. He's a gamer. Like game time, lights are on. He's gonna show up. Look. I want this to be a good battle. I, I absolutely want this to be a good battle. I am buying that Jimmy 
is in a good mental space. And I think that's the diff that I think the difference is, is he came in and he knows what Trey's trying to do. And he yeah. came in and there, there's a road you got to take and either you go, I'm going to fucking take this head on or I need to get the hell out of here. And he thought that weighed things out and he's ready to take this head on no matter where that leads and it seems like he's in a good mental space to go and compete. So, you know, from picks and interceptions and what he's looking like, I mean, that I don't know. But just from seeing Jimmy's, you know, face in some of these interviews and and uh, press conferences, I mean, he looks like he's very comfortable in his own skin right now. And, and that says a lot. So in my head, in my opinion, I should say, I think um, I'm, to- I'm I'm going to buy Kyle saying that this is the best, you know, he's seen Jimmy. Um, mind you, like you said, the bar was not too high to begin with. So he's there, he's ready to go, he's healthy. And then he's also has some kind of extra little confidence and chip on his shoulder right now. And that that's a good thing. And I think that's a really good thing. Yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm just in the middle with this one. Like I'm not completely buying it, but I'm not completely selling it. Yeah, I mean... Jimmy, the pressure's on. Like you're, you're, yeah. you know, we said it. This is not. You're not fighting for your 49ers career. You're fighting for your NFL career. Exactly. Right. If you play poorly, you know, if you lose this job in camp, what do you look like elsewhere? Right. Like who's going to? And even for the 49ers, it's in their best interest to have Jimmy win this because if they're going to move on from him, they're going to want the most back yeah. for him. Right. For, yeah. On Jimmy's sake, for Jimmy's sake. So if Jimmy loses this. What are the chances he goes out and gets a starting job like right away that he goes into a next role guarantee like you're the starting quarterback of this franchise right cuz the you've you've had some good you've had a lot of the, you've had the injuries and then you had some pretty bad play and then you get beat out by a rookie and then what you get one more shot or do you go into another place where you're kind of battling for the spot like this this is a big big deal for the entire tra- trajectory of his team, of his entire career because if he loses this outright, I mean that's a big big knock on him and that that you're getting close to being, are you a backup quarterback on a lot of these franchises or are you an actual franchise starting quarterback and that's where all the question marks are going to start coming if he, if he goes out there and loses to a rookie. Um, so I mean, this is this is big. So I I just like where his headspace is because it would be easy to get really caught up and say, look, I just went to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Get me the hell out of here. There's got to be a team out there that needs somebody with the resume that I have. Yeah. No, I mean I agree, and it's just it's a tough spot for Jimmy to be in. You know, when he does play, they win. But the it's problem true. is, I mean, he's just he's been hurt too much, and that's why you need to insulate the the quarterback room. And if you found the next guy, which the Niners are hoping they found and they invested that much into him, then let's do it. But I'm, you know, I'm with you. You know, this is, this is the biggest part. This is probably the biggest thing, biggest challenge of Jimmy Garoppolo's career, you know, whether it be with the Niners or elsewhere, you know, could he get a starting job elsewhere where some injury happens? You know, are the Eagles fully sold on Jalen Hurts? Absolutely not. Like what if, what if the Eagles come calling, you know what I mean? Maybe he, he can work out out there. What about the Giants? Do they really like Daniel Jones that much? There's other options. I think he could start in those spots. Um, Houston, Deshaun Watson, he ain't, he ain't all the way cleared through. You know, we all heard during this Deshaun Watson stuff was, 
Maybe they'll send Jimmy because Nick Casario knows him. And, you know, there's there's places where I think he could start. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is still a starting NFL quarterback. I just think the Niners have made a decision like, hey, listen, thank you. But we're going to be moving on within the next 18 months, you know, and we're just Lance is our guy. So someone else is going to be looking at that. But, you know, I I guess, you know, we're going to see. We're going to find out more during camp. So Jimmy had his best camp. Jimmy Ward is being an asshole, but also a really good coach. We had some injuries this last two weeks. Javon Kinlaw is having a really good camp. Um, Trey Lance has picked up the offense fairly well. Fred Warner's contract, we shouldn't be worried about it. That should be coming up really soon. Uh, before we get out of here, just a couple questions. Um, yeah, real quick from our guy, party at 901 Bar. Which defensive special teams draft pick do you think has a bigger impact this season, Lenore or Hufanga? I'm going Hufanga because I think you'll probably see a lot more special team snaps than Lenore. I'm gonna I'm gonna second that for sure. I, I mean, and in all honesty, I don't think it's gonna take too long for Hufanga to get on the field outside of special teams and, and play a little bit of safety. I, I I think this kid, I'm really high on him right now. So I I mean he's definitely gonna be an impact player on special teams, absolutely. Good deal. And then there was one more. You gotta find it here. Where'd it go? Okay. We we talked linebacker death. Well, if if unforeseen injuries that will happen, no doubt. If unforeseen injuries that will no doubt happen come into play. Oh, linebacker depth. Okay. Are you concerned about linebacker depth outside of Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw? Uh, yes. Yeah. I'm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, look, that that's a position that I don't, we definitely, we can't afford, you know, it's not like, um, wow, Jesus. Now I can't even think of his name. We just Aziz. talked about Kwan, Kwan, like we don't, we don't have the depth anymore. We've got our two players our two studs, I would say, but I mean that's gonna be that's gonna be a challenging hurdle get over. Out of all the positions, that's gonna be a real tough one for us to get over if a Greenlaw or Fred gets hurt. I mean that that's that's a bad. I can't even think about that shit. I gotta I'm gonna knock on. I can't even think about that. That'll be rough. I'm yeah. not gonna lie. Absolutely, that is a scary one. Um, like I said, we get back, we get to that question. Um, Whew. Real quick, and then two, we'll get to probably three more here. This one, uh, I'm good. I'm um, good. Why do you think Kyle was higher on Lance over Fields? In my opinion, and this is where I'm just doing my draft evaluation on the whole process because I watched every snap of Fields, I watched every snap of Lance. I just thought Fields was more NFL ready. What I didn't value, like this, I can admit this, you know, what I did not value that Lance did was he had more snaps under center. Right. Lance took snaps under center. Lance called plays in the huddle, like full plays, like long ass plays like the Niners do. And then Lance's ability to turn his back to a defense, rescan the field and deliver the football precisely. Um, not saying Justin Fields couldn't do that. It's just the frequency between the two was pretty large, like the gap. Like Justin Fields didn't do that very much in college. Now, I'm not saying Justin Fields is going to be a bad NFL player. I just think Kyle valued those those three or those two or three things more than what I thought of with Justin Fields. I just thought Justin Fields had a great arm, a little more athletic. I mean, he ran a 4-4-40, right? 
Mm-hmm. You know, the guy is just a powerful athlete. I thought his toughness in the in the bowl game against Clemson, where he came back with broken ribs, played his ass off, you know, lit up a, a Venables defense. Um, I thought I thought um, the intelligence was there with Justin Fields. Just they, he, he to me, he fit the mold and it's a f- the familiarity between the QB collective and Kyle Shanahan and, and everything with Richmond Flowers, who runs the QB collective. And that is Kyle Shanahan's agent, essentially Richard Flowers. So that connection is there. So there was a lot of other factors outside of football that I attached fields to Kyle. Sure. Which is my fault. Right. But. At the same time, you're connecting dots, man. I oh, mean, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm putting pretty shit together. obvious. I mean, right. And then with Lance, I like I said, I just didn't I didn't value those things that I thought I thought I figured Kyle would like those things. But I didn't I didn't focus on them that much. I was more looking at how I just thought there were some inaccuracies with Lance when I thought there were some issues with some of the throwing mechanics. I thought, you know, you're playing NDSU the competition level wasn't the greatest. I'm not, a, I'm not one of those guys like, Oh, look at the competition, but you know, you only had the one game as well in 2020, which is not his fault. So there wasn't very much tape on him for Kyle to go from. But if you go back and look at my Twitter feed, I literally predicted Lance June, like eighth of last off season or the off season going into 2020. Like I said, that I said, it's going to be inevitable um, that Kyle, that Lance would be the guy. It's pretty funny that I said that. Um <laughs> I was like, oh shit, I should have fucking stuck with my Yeah. Uh, Look stuck with my initial thing. I was I was off and, and I was the opposite. Like right off right off the jump, I was all Lance the entire like I watched Lance film. I really liked the kid and I liked it for, for those things that you mentioned. He could do a little bit of everything. And he was asked to do so much because of that competition and where he was at. Um, you know, the receivers he was throwing to. I mean, this dude was doing everything on that offense for the most part and asked to do quite a bit. And I thought my only thing was, you know, as you were connecting the dots, things started to make a lot of sense. Like, yeah, you know what? Justin Fields does make a lot of sense based Mm -hmm. on the relationships and where we're at. And in all honesty, either guy would have been damn good in this offense. But, you know, as you, you look, my biggest question mark was, well, what kind of coaching does Kyle want to do? Is Does he want somebody ready to roll? Does he want somebody that he's going to want to work with a little bit? And this was all before me hearing the things that Trey Lance is the smartest quarterback in this class. I mean, this was before that, before I, yeah. I got to know, you know, those types of things. Absolutely. And, and in all honesty, I, there was a, there was a stretch where I wasn't sure if, if Trey Lance was the most NFL ready at that point in time. And, you know, Justin just, I mean, he's playing with better talent. He's playing against better talent. And that's like the hard part in, in college sports. Like you give, you know, you can, you knock on the guys both ways. There's like really no winning. It's either, well, yeah, he's playing with, you know, the best talent in the country. So of course he looks good. Or yeah. he's playing with, he's playing against nobodies. But he's throwing yeah. against like guys like you and I, right? I mean, so it's just like he's throwing two guys like you and I. So it's it's just like a, a lose lose. Like either you're tearing it up, but it's only because you're playing against bad competition, even though you're playing with guys that aren't even and you most of them, no offense, aren't are NFL caliber type players. Or you're on the other side where everybody you're playing with is getting drafted in the first and second round and that's just why you're good. So it's a tough, tough boat. I was more on the Lance 
mm-hmm. trained to start with. And it was because of those things. I just I was like, man, he can run the ball. He could throw the ball. He can go behind center. I mean, he can do so many things. Um, and he just looks like a gamer. Like he just looks like he's willing to do whatever it takes at that, that point in time, whether it's just tuck it and take off or go out there and throw a 50 yard bomb or a slant, whatever it is. He looks like he can do it all. Yeah. Absolutely. And then for those watching on the screen, um, is that, yeah, you? that is that is my tweet. Uh, Literally a year to the day. Up. See? A year to the day. I said, I'm preparing for what seems to be inevitable, which was met with a lot of hate in the comments because why would the Niners move off Jimmy Garoppolo when they were literally <laughs> in during this time in June, the whole conversation was uh, Tom Brady, right? They were going to the George Kittle shit. Like the Niners were ready to move off Jimmy Garoppolo last year. Did you pick Hufanga? Yeah, right. You see this? Look at this draft. <laughs> and look at look at where Tyson Campbell's at. Like I, I think I hit I hit I love that Tyson Campbell. I love that Tyson Campbell pick. That's, I do okay uh, when it comes to mock drafting. Damn. Oh, you got my dog right there. And yeah. what what pick was that? 220 221. So I think like 202 for the Niners. That's Heck close. Yeah, that's so, a good that's a good mock, buddy. Yeah, not bad. Um but yeah, so you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's all, you know. Uh, just answering those questions there. Um, we'll get one, two more. Uh, hey, I'm one. good. It's t- I'm good. I'm okay. I'm good. So if we got them. Let's go. I mean, I've, I'm on my second New Belgium, so I'm I'm feeling good. Let's just okay. do it. Uh, it says here, what what wide receiver would you like to win the number three spot? Hurd, Jennings, or James? Ideally, it's going to be Jalen Hurd. Like you, you spent a third round pick on this guy. You want him to be your wide receiver three. You want to get something back for that investment pick 67 in 2019 this is year three like Jalen we need something out of you and it's not his fault you know injuries happen ACL tears happen the back issue we all knew about in college we all knew about that at Baylor and at Tennessee um so ideally for me it would if I'm going to pick the three I want to see Ayuk Debo and Hurd as my top three and then the uh, the bottom three guys would be to me Sanu Sanu Jennings and either Travis Benjamin or Richie James. So though that's kind of how I would have the six. Yeah. Uh I, again, I'll 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 back you on the sense that you you need to see something from Hurd. Yeah. And and at his size and his athleticism, I mean, damn, if he's just healthy, I think it's an easy, it's an easy choice there. But I just don't know. I mean, we have, we just haven't seen enough and as much as, Hey, you know, I, I, I see you, Richie James do your thing. I just, I, I'm not sure who that number three spot is. I mean, I think there's a lot of guys that are fighting for it and I just don't know if that guy, the long-term answer for the, throughout the course of this year is on this team right now. I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure if that guy's here right now. I'm not sure what to expect from Sanu. Like, I have no idea. Yeah. Um, and Richie, I you know I've seen enough of Rich. I, I've seen enough of Richie. I'm not. I mean, I'm okay with that. And <laughs> you know, and Jalen is a guy that I get excited about, but I've also gotten just kind of accustomed to being. Like, I don't know how long he'll be on the field when he is on the field. Yeah. And so I, I don't know if that guy's there yet, but I think, I think they have a lot of guys that they're hoping, you know, shows out and takes a step forward. And if not, you know, Kyle's not going to hesitate to, uh, to pull in some wide receiver. Um, 
you know, and I'm interested to see what happens with some of these other teams as cuts get made and, and see what goes on because I'm not sure if that guy's in the room right now. Yeah. I, and that's the other part too, right? Like Hurd would be my third guy, but I, I agree with you. Maybe he's not, in the, maybe he's not in the room right now. Maybe, maybe Jay, maybe Crowder gets cut from the jets. Maybe Odell gets moved out of Cleveland. Maybe the giants move off Sterling Shepard. I'm going to die on this hill with Sterling Shepard, by the yeah, way. You, like, you're, yeah. You really want Sterling. Well, like, whereas I would be all about Crowder. I would be yeah. all about Crowder. And I, I think, I think similarly, I think there's a lot of similarities between the two. I think they're both elite route runners. I think they both have decent hands. The only problem with both of them is they have an injury history. And that's just, that's my concern with both those guys. But, you know, I think what the Niners are trying to replace is just KB's production. You want those 34, 35 catches. We're sleeping on River, yards. bro. We're sleeping on River. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, I guess I, I shout out to my guy, Brad Graham. You know, he kind of, kind of got me on the river Craycraft hype train. I could see it. There is some good route running from him, but at the same time, it's like how many more undrafted free agent guys do we, you know, like give me. Does Austin, is Austin, does Austin have a chance? No, no. Right. Oh, Austin. Oh, Austin Watkins. Yeah. yeah. Austin I think Watkins. Austin, yeah. Yeah. I think Austin Watkins has a really good chance. That's my guy. I think he has a strong chance to make this team. Um, you know, Kevin solid White? player. What like, no. like what? Yeah, like I just, just don't like I'm not like I'm not. There's a lot of guys, and I just don't know how many of them are gonna. Like I just don't. Uh, I don't. I don't see it. Listen, there's only two or three that I think even have a chance. This is dangerous, by the way. This terrible guys. See, it, I know we're about hour fifteen in this thing, but you you got Javi this close to finishing this tequila, and who knows what this guy's about to go? <laughs> you don't know what he's about to go. Listen, off if the saying. Rock is listening, we we do need a sponsor. The Rock, if you're listening, I will drink this every day for the rest of my life. Javier um, likes it, uh, but yeah, Terramon is solid solid tequila. Um, uh, last one before we get out of here. Uh, let's see here. Over under combined fifteen hundred receiving yards for Debo and Ayuk. I'm going over. Combine, combined, yeah. I'm definitely I mean, going. I'm definitely yeah. I, one of them's get. I'm gonna say Brandon is getting a thousand yards. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, and, and and then Debo's getting cl- like in that 800, 900 range anyway. So I'm yeah, saying I over. Think, you know, I, I, if we go back to 2019 with Debo, real quick. Um, let me pull it up. That way, people can see it. Yeah. Um. Hold on. Stop sharing. Let's share screen. Um, I think you're looking at. Hold on. My computer's being weird. Okay. It should be going. Um, you know, with Devo Samuel in, in 2019, he had 802 receiving yards and then 159 rushing yards. So he nearly cracked the thousand yard total off. Awesome. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I, w- I can see a combination of maybe 2,200 yards total between the two guys, you know, you maybe, and actually I'm going to put I'm going to put Ayuk at 14, 1500 yards receiving because if Justin Jefferson Dude, I can think- get 1400 yards, there is no reason Ayuk with better quarterback play, whether that is Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance can't get 1400 yards because Justin Jefferson got 1400 with Kirk cousins. Ayuk was dealing with, you know, noodle arm Nick Mullins. And, you know, with all due respect, Jimmy Garoppolo, there's been a lot of ducks that were thrown 
Tyuk from Jimmy last season. And that was an issue too. And Ayuk was wide open how many times a game last year. We do we'd look at the film and Ayuk is doing this. Like, what are, yeah, what man. are we doing? Brandon so, is no joke. I I, I look, I I told you I'm buying up these rookie Brandon Ayuk rookie cards because in my opinion, this dude is gonna be the next 49 That's Isaac Bruce, like, bro. That's like Isaac the Bruce. next 49er wide receiver, like great wide receiver. Yeah. Um, I am absolutely sold on him. And I am not taking anything away from Debo. And I know, you know, the second you say Debo, everyone, the first thing after that is gadget play. Debo is a hell of a wide receiver, and he can He's not do a gadget so player. many, so many things on the field. And the second we get away and we get the quarterback play that we need where we can have these guys go out there and be wide receivers. Like you're going to see that Debo's a fucking baller. And, and I'm excited to, to just be in a position to have both of those guys out there doing their thing. And let's see what happens at wide receiver number three, but don't sleep on either of these guys. Don't stop. Stop putting gadget play Debo. Cause he's a lot more than just some kind of jet sweep. What? Like he's a lot more than a running back wide receiver role like he he can do a lot of things he might not be as crisp of a route runner or have the route tree maybe that brandon has and i mean brandon's a freak with you know at six feet with his arms and it's like i mean brandon's an exciting player but debo is this just this physical tough hard-nosed wide receiver that i'm excited for let's just let's just keep the guy healthy so for a full i'm season. I'm glad you brought that up about Debo with his route running. Shout out to our guy, Jason, right? Jason Aponte had got, got some really good information on Debo Samuel. Yeah. So throw that up. That was awesome. Jason, by the way, that, yeah, that so was sick. Look at Debo's route tree, right? Like route percentage, nine routes, 16% corner, 6%. Like Debo's, he's a screen slant dig guy. Like those are, he's a solid route runner. Right. And then, you look at success by route. Like, look at these success rates on the post. 80% success rate. 79 on the dig. 66% on the, the corner. Slant, 87. Of course, screens are 100 because you're getting those push passes and things like that. But, you know, you're, you're, you, Debo is way more than this push pass, jet sweep nonsense the Niners had to run because they had some limitations at the quarterback spot, whether that be Jimmy Garoppolo, CJ Beathard, or Nick Mullins. If Trey Lance is who you and I think he is, right, you're probably going to see a lot more nine post and dig from Debo. And that's just going to open up a lot more for George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk. Like, oh, shit, now we have three guys that can be hit at any level of the field. And I think that was my biggest issue with Jimmy Garoppolo is we can't hit every level of the field because Jimmy doesn't. Either he can't or he won't do it. And if he does do it, a lot of times it's going to be picked or – it just doesn't get there in time or it's a little bit too slow to get there. It's just, there's just a lot of questions for me when it comes to that stuff. So I have, I have a question before we, we call it quits uh, again, I have no rush. Do you think looking at that, that Debo is a number two or does he actually fit in more as like a number three kind of wide receiver? I think he's not, be a number. I think Debo could be a number two. I don't know I if he, he's not. I don't think he's a number one. And again, no offense. I don't think he's that guy out there that's your number one wide receiver. But you know, is is he more of that like wide receiver three kind of range, or is he a legit wide receiver number two that you just put on opposite like, sides and let him work? Like if I had to, like if I had to just do a comp, like I would go back sure. to that Arizona team. 
Larry Fitzgerald is Brandon Ayuk. Debo Samuel is Anquan Bolden. Ooh, that's I mean, like that would be my comp. Like if that's that's what you want, right? You want you want Debo to get you those tough yards, right? You want him to have yeah. seventy five catches and you need that. And you need for that. eight. Yeah, you want him to have seventy five catches, seventy five catches for nine hundred yards and six really tough touchdowns, right? But then he also gives you the running ability, so he's going to give you you know, another 200 yards and the jet sweep game or whatever else they decide to do. So he's going to give you 1,100 yards, 1,200 yards of total offense. Kind of like uh, Anquan Bolden did early on his career. Now, Anquan wasn't doing jet sweeps and shit, but you get my <laughs> point here. You have, yeah. you have a really good one, which was Larry Fitzgerald. And in my opinion, that's um, Ayuk in this scenario. And then your really good solid number two was Anquan Bolden in Debo. And, I, I you know, we I love Anquan and I never thought he'd be a number one wide receiver. He had to be when Crabtree was yeah. here and things like that. But, you know, if they need Debo to be, I think he can be because he did that even at the back end of 2019. He took yeah. off, right? Yeah. It wasn't Emmanuel Sanders as the number one wide receiver. It was Debo as the number one wide receiver. So I think that's the biggest thing. And I think Debo is going to be a solid slot receiver. Like, I think that's where he's meant to be. Yeah. And if he's your slot receiver, he could still be your wide receiver too at the slot position, right? And, he, and essentially, I think he's your third target because Kittle is probably your number one target. Uh-huh. Ayuk is your second target. And then D will be your third target. So that's your essentially that's your wide receiver one, two and three. But you're giving Kittle the tight end title. Right. If that's if that makes sense. I, I agree. I agree. And this Brandon Ayuk chart is like Insane. the only thing I see is he doesn't go left. So he's not an Ambi Turner. Which is a Zoolander joke, so don't worry about it. It's twelve thirty at night or twelve thirty in the morning. That's my Zoolander joke. It's one of my favorite movies. But I mean, that this chart is like nuts. I mean, yeah, that's just how good this kid is. Yeah. So, yeah, I think the Niners they'll just figure it out. I think we'll see something probably from a cut or a midseason trade. But we've been on for about an hour and a half. Let's get yeah. out of here. Shout out to everybody who's tuned in for, for uh, tuned into the pod. We appreciate yeah, all the thank questions. You. Reach out anytime. Follow me on Twitter at Hoggervig underscore. Follow my guy Fernando at DZ0880. And then make sure you check out everything on the podcast at Fourth and Gold Podcast on Twitter. And then if you we're looking to get some more written content out at Fort Ernest Goldmine. And then again, uh, big shout out to uh, Big Dave's Barbecue Sauce. Make sure you get your sauces. This is DJ Jones's family. Saucing. Um, they uh, they took care of me, so I'm trying to take care of them. Let's uh, let's help these folks out. Make sure they get their business up and going. It is it's up and going. I shouldn't say it like that. But I just help them get some more sales on the sauce. The Hawaiian gold, Hawaiian bold gold is great on some spare ribs, by the way. But uh, let's get out of here. Uh, I'm Javi. That is Fern. Check us out on Twitter again. And then again, like I said, uh, subscribe, rate, review on all podcast platforms. Subscribe to the YouTube. Once we get to those thousand YouTube followers, I'm going to be giving out a George Kittle female and male throwback white George Kittle jersey. Oh so my god. Get that get those uh subscriptions up for me and I will be sending out jerseys to folks who subscribe. We'll do a drawing online and everything else. But uh everyone else out there have a good night. We'll talk to you guys later. Peace. Peace.